0: To the podcast, I am Joe Posnanski, and with me, Michael Shore. Michael, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me, Joe.
0: You're welcome. I like that. That was that was firm and yet kind.
1: I'm. It's. I, it, you know what that was? That was a let's get down to business <laughs> version of thank you for having me, Joe.
0: Well, I, I have to start. I have to start the podcast with an apology because, um, and I don't know how this happened. I mean, this is this is something that I'm usually very uh, adept at. Like the last two podcasts, since you've since you've been gone, the last couple of podcasts got way too meaningful. Like there was some meaningfulness. We had we had Bob Kendrick on here from the Negro Leagues Museum talking about social justice with Dayton Moore. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I I mean I don't know how that happened. I, well, I,
1: it's tricky, right? Because obviously those topics are much more important and much more relevant and much more worthy of anything that you and I discuss. Of course. When we do this. But on the other hand, they do run contrary to the entire idea of this podcast, <laughs> which is to waste everyone's time and as much of it as we can. So I, I'm torn. I, I feel like maybe there's some kind of um you know when companies sometimes like conglomerate companies become too huge and bloated. <laughs> They realize that the, like the pieces of their companies don't really make any sense, you know. So GE in the old days before they like fell apart, they would go like, "Wait, why do we have this financial industry section of our company? Let's right. spin that off into its own company." It feels like we need to spin off the idea of, of meaningfulness and get it away from the podcast, so that those topics, which are again, are much more important and valid and worthy of being discussed, can still be discussed. But then you also keep the integrity of the meaninglessness <laughs> of podcast, the mothership podcast or something. You know, we need to have two different things so have,
0: going. So we have like a meaningful podcast. But but would a meaningful podcast like would that feature us on it? When, yeah, when yeah, we no, kept, like, of course not. No, 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 no.
1: No. Unless we were facilitating the discussions that other people were having. That other that people are having. We could I mean we could do that. I guess the real question is what is it what does it mean? to have a meaningful podcast it's a it's a classic jumbo shrimp type situation like it it's a, it's like an it's a that it's an internally inconsistent illogic Correct. that that might cause the whole thing to just come crashing down so and it's tough i don't know what to do about it
0: yeah i i think basically we just have to write it off as sort of a Sort of a you know the, the the times that we're in mistakes will be made kind of thing and, and well it's... no
1: no 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 the the mistake was it's... the podcast to begin with well
0: right the, that's my point the,
1: yeah the the, the the meaningful discussions aren't the mistake those are the those are the solution the, the, the mistake was that you and I have ever have ever had our normal meaningless well
0: of course of that's why I want to get back to the mistakes I wanted I, I want us to make this I I am predicting right up front this podcast will be a huge mistake. Right up front, I'm just saying yeah. that Right up front,
1: I think. Sorry. I mean, I think that's a an evergreen prediction. I don't <laughs> think we. I don't think you need to say that. I think everyone implicitly understands that this is a mistake and that it shouldn't be happening.
0: So we're going to uh, have uh, we we got a whole bunch of questions. So we're going to go through some questions uh, from you, our uh, beloved uh, listeners, and uh, and then we're going to have our draft. But before we do that, we probably should at least spend two minutes uh, discussing not necessarily meaningfulness, but. Is there going to be a baseball season? I mean, if you had to make a prediction right now, this is Monday at noon Eastern time. Will there be a baseball season?
1: I mean, I guess it depends on what you mean by season, right? right. Um, the, it, it, if if I understand the situation correctly, and there's a, a very high likelihood that I don't, but if I do, the owners wanted fewer games. The players wanted more games. In part, that's because of the hastily agreed to contract um, amendment, which basically meant that the players would simply receive a prorated share of the salaries they were guaranteed by law um, based on how many games they played. And then, once the owners really took stock of the situation, the owners realized that without being able to sell tickets and concessions and everything else, that the games themselves were sort of money losing enterprises for them. Right. So more games, the thing that everyone involved in baseball ought to want a great deal, <laughs> right. suddenly more games became more losses for the owners. And so the owners were kept offering, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a six game season and we'll pay you for two <laughs> games. And the players are like, no, we had an agreement. You, we shook hands and there was a contract and everything else. And the owner's like, OK, we'll give you we'll play four games, but we'll pay you for three games. And it just kept going. And um, and so we've arrived at this moment where and you and I have discussed this in person and also over text uh, a number of times. The people who are in charge of baseball don't want to play baseball. It's so crazy. And and when that is the, when that's the situation everyone involved in this from the top down from Rob Manfred all the way down to the 25th guy on the worst roster in baseball need to have a real kind of like check in yes uh, and say what does it mean when the goal is not let's play as much of our sport as we can and the infuriating thing about this to me and I think to most people who are following it in any way uh, is that the guys who own the teams are, you know, 30 of the richest people in the world. Exactly right. And how they didn't come to the simple conclusion that this season was a money-losing enterprise anyway. Right. They're going to lose money. That is just the nature of the beast when there's a global pandemic that kills 120,000 Americans and counting and has has caused at least 2.2 million of us to get sick and forced everyone inside and caused 40 million people to lose their jobs, et cetera, et cetera, this is not going to be a year where you fill your coffers with money. Right. And so given that, what they ought to be thinking to themselves, what is the best move for the long-term health of the sport in which we are invested? And obviously, and plainly obviously, the answer is, play as much baseball as you can and remind people what's great about baseball. It's not, let's try to hedge our losses. That's like, th- like that ship has sailed guys. <laughs> that's <laughs> not, that's not your consideration anymore. And the difference between you losing 21 million and $36 million this year, who cares? Like yeah. you're, you've lost money. Like, and, and, and also it should be noted the value of all of your franchises is Hundreds of millions of dollars it's greater than it was literally right. three years ago. Like right. it's so bananas. They just signed a billion dollar contract with TBS for the playoffs. Like they, it's it's so infuriating because as we've said many times in conversations about this sport that you and I both deeply love, the, the it is losing its grip on America, if it's not already gone, it's almost gone. And if they don't play baseball this year or if they end up playing some crappy 40 game season that no one cares about, that that has to compete with the NBA playoffs and has to compete with the NFL in September and all those things, it's just another nail in the coffin. And and I just don't understand and will probably never understand how this group of owners, whoever the there was a rumor recently that there were basically eight owners who didn't want to play. Mm-hmm. And 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 those eight, if that's true, those eight owners are the are the biggest hindrance toward the idea of having the longest possible season, obviously, because they don't want any season. And how this group of owners doesn't understand that for the stewardship of the game and the long-term health of the game and the, and and any possibility of recapturing any kind of meaningful place in American society doesn't require them to to just suck it up and lose a little money this year. Um do you how how they don't see that is so beyond me and it's so disappointing. And so whether I think th- th- now we're at the point where it's almost irrelevant whether they play. I mean obviously it's relevant, but the the, the more relevant question is are we is there going to be any kind of real leadership shown? Any kind of Adam Silver and NBA owner type leadership shown in this league? that that where they say let's not take a 3 month view of this situation let's take a 10 year view of this mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. and shut up and and understand that you've lost money this year there was nothing anyone could do about that you're still billionaires you still have more money than everyone else like that you know the and we saw this by the way not to extend this rambling monologue but we saw this um the warning sign was we're not going to pay our minor leaguers way right. back in April. That, right. was, that was the – we should have known this was coming when they did that stuff. And again, most of them – a lot of them reversed course in part because heroes like David Price, for example, the Dodgers and Sean Doolittle stepped up and were like, if you're not going to pay them, we are because minor leaguers are the, are the, the R&D of the entire league and the future of the league. And they reverse course or whatever. But the Nationals owners, the National Ownership Group, they won the world series last year. Won the world year. series and they're
0: one of the what? 50 richest people families yeah. in America? I mean,
1: Yes, and you're talking he's the richest uh, owner,
0: I, the richest owner I, in baseball.
1: Yes, that's right. The richest owner in baseball. And then there's other incredibly rich owners, the guys in Oakland are rich and the and the Ricketts family, you know, who well, own they're everything. Rich, right? They're all rich. <laughs> These guys are multi-billionaires and they were trimming the fat as they saw it, by, by not paying minor leaguers or cutting their salaries from $400 a week to $300 a week. I mean, this was humiliating for them. Yes. That was a, a humiliating series of discussions. And then you have these guys, the players, who are obviously rich, but not a hundredth or a thousandth as rich as the owners, stepping up and saying, this is ridiculous, we'll pay their salaries. We should have seen this coming. We should have known that they were going to try to run out the clock and And act only in their in their interests and not in the interests of the sport that they're supposed to be invested in and guardians of
0: right, and you would think even selfishly they would be guardians of this sport because you know at some point we're going to come out of this pandemic, and at some point you would hope there there's going to be some level of 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 baseball with with big crowds and and however that's going to work in the years ahead and your franchises have value that will go up and down depending on how well the sport uh, resonates in America. How even from a selfish standpoint, wouldn't you be out there? And, and and let's say this because you and I have talked about this and this is hundred percent true. There might not be baseball because of health concerns, right? I mean, they all the best laid plans. Obviously the NBA has got a plan and the NFL has got a plan and we don't know i mean the pandemic is obviously raging still and 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 in, in many places including places that that are are you know at the center of these conversations like arizona and florida the cases are skyrocketing so mm-hmm. we don't know where that's going to lead and so that's the other element of this thing there might not even be a baseball season at which point the arguments over the last 3 months are so stupid and so devastating to to the psyche of baseball fans everywhere that they can't even agree if we could get on the field to play ball I mean it's 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 so uh,
1: it's it's, humiliating it's It's utterly humiliating for them They, they like they they have really if baseball withers away over the next 10 years they have only themselves to blame and you see what's happened in the NBA the amount of work and um, and planning and plotting and scheming that has gone into what they hope will be the end of this, you know, uh, 1920 season. You know They have glowing magical rings that the players are going to wear that can, <laughs> <laughs> that can predict COVID-19 symptoms three days in advance. And they have, you know, there's are going to be up to 45 people per player and here's where they're going to live and here's how we're going to do this and here's how we're going to clean everything and here's how we're going to – like they've put an enormous amount of work and planning into this in cooperation with the players union and the ownership groups and the referees and the, and everybody it's all been this, in this massive undertaking and they're gonna, I think have it, they're going to pull it off. I mean, I think they have at least that they have a fighting chance. They have a fighting chance. And when you, and, and when you think about not like the, the baseball ownership group can't even agree on how to on, on what the season looks like forget about the logistics like they haven't even gotten nope. to the logistics yet and nope, they, they and can't
0: figure out how many games to play
1: they, that's right they can't figure out where to play and and how how much to play and you you that's why in my darker moments my answer to your question is no there won't be a season because when you understand what it took for the NBA to get to where they are, yeah. and how much better at managing their league the NBA is, the commissioner's office and the ownership group and the players all working in concert, even at time, even at a moment where there is significant tension between the players and the owners sure. in the NBA, there really is. Like, there's a lot of there's talk of a walkout in future, in the not too distant future. There's, you know, they had a contentious. Uh, disagreement over uh, revenue sharing the last time they had, a, uh, had to pa- pattern bargain. It's not like everything's hunky-dory in the no. NBA. There's no. a lot of uh, d- uh, fighting in the NBA. But the difference appears to be that the people who work for the NBA and own teams in the NBA actually like the sport. Yeah. That they're engaged in. That seems to be the main difference. Because I I'm at we're at the point now where I just don't believe that the baseball owners even like baseball and care about it. Because there's no what other conclusion can you possibly draw from this embarrassing mess?
0: Yeah. No, I think that's look, if they do like baseball, then they have the worst communications teams in the history of the world, right? Because the nothing that they say, nothing that they plan, none of the offers they make suggest any affinity for this sport, any affinity for the fans, any affinity for any uh, of these people. And it's, and you know, look, and I, and and I should say, I mean, we we always talk about the owners as a group because, because they are, but let me pause for a minute to talk about John Sherman in Kansas city. So John Sherman, look, he's obviously a very, very wealthy man, but he is not wealthy in the same way that the learners are some of these other people. He uh, just bought the Royals for a billion dollars. You know, he and and a a bunch of other investors, he he didn't have the billion dollars to do it, but he and other investors just paid a billion dollars for the Royals. They haven't played a, a minute, so you know that they are soaking in debt. So, I mean, they're not in the situation where all these other owners are, where they've seen their franchise value skyrocket and they've made all the money they've made. They're paying everybody. They're paying all the players and all the staff and 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 not cutting minor leaguers and talking about, and you sense a real love of the game. Now, you know, I, obviously they're they're going to fight for whatever they have to fight for, and I understand all of that. But you can't see what the Royals are doing, what the Twins are doing. I mean, these are small market teams. The Royals and the Twins uh, are out there paying everybody, talking about, how much they want to get back on the field, talking about how important it is to support baseball now because of what it's going to mean in the future. So that message is possible. It's possible to say those things. And yet from, you know, you signed in, uh, as we all know, Mike always signs in, uh, as a different guy, he signed in today as Rob Manfred. (laughs) Where, where is that from Rob Manfred? I mean, I, I'm not even talking about it. He, we all know that he's trapped. He works for the owners. He's got to do what the owners want, but where is that love of the game? You just don't sense it from anybody.
1: Well, this is a problem, uh, not just in baseball, but in all sports. And we've talked about this a lot in the NFL with Goodell. So there's a position in every sport of commissioner. And the idea of the commissioner of every sport obviously is you are the 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 steward, the guardian of the sport. You act in its best interests. You solve disputes. You handle, uh, you know, different kinds of discipline for in cheating scandals and in you know you you maintain the uh, sure. capital I integrity of the game. Blah blah right. blah. These commissioners are paid exclusively by the owners. Mm-hmm. They work for the owners. You cannot have a commissioner of a sport who truly. Uh, looks after the best interest of the sport. If that person receives a paycheck from one side of right. the labor situation, right. I don't understand why e- these sports don't do a, a simple uh, fix for this, right? Half of the salary is from the yep. owners and half of it is from the players. Yep. Straight up 50-50. If Roger Goodell had to serve the players' interests at the same level that he serves the owners' interests – that sport would look a lot different. Yes. If Rob Manfred had to obey the players' interests at the same level as the owners, this would not be happening right now because he wouldn't be purely on one side of the equation. It is one of the single biggest problems in every sport. I mean, the, the crazy thing about the NBA is it's no different in the NBA, no. right? Adam Silver's salaries, I believe, is paid solely by the owners. Yes, and yet some somehow or another... He manages to um, to do things that are in the best interest of the game, even when the owners don't like it. For example, his single biggest test since he became commissioner was the Donald Sterling situation, sure. and it happened right after he took over. And he acted so swiftly and decisively, and forced mm-hmm. Donald Sterling to sell the team. And you don't, you, some people don't remember this. A lot of owners were very unhappy with that decision, mm-hmm. including you know guys who are you would consider to be uh, you know more progressive in their politics, like Mark Cuban, who's been very outspoken against Trump and some of the stuff that's gone on in the country in the last four years. Mark Cuban at the time was like, "Hey, I don't know if this is a good idea, like yeah. forcing an owner to sell his team for something that he says or something offensive that he you know is caught on tape saying." That's a risky precedent. And a lot of owners felt the same way. They were because they're all monsters at some <laughs> level. They're all some kind of monster. And they were thinking, well, geez, if the, if he can force Donald Sterling to sell the team for being a racist moron, what's, what might happen to me in the future? Not that they're racist necessarily, but right. they they're billionaires and billionaires are generally speaking monsters. And yet Adam Silver did that. It was the right move. It was the right decision. The team is better. They have better ownership now. Their team was sold for $2.2 billion. <laughs> the Clippers were sold for $2.2 billion. $2.2 billion. And the health of the NBA has been relatively stable. And by the way, not only was is the team better off and has become like a legitimate title contending franchise, but also the players were like, hey, that guy has our back. And the players in baseball and the players in football feel zero point zero percent like the commissioner of their sport cares at all about them, and that is an enormous problem. And I think every collective bargaining discussion that happens with every players' union in every sport, the very first thing that they uh, ask for, and, and this is a hard, this is a hard thing to get them to do, the first thing to do in my mind is to say the. New structure is the commissioner is paid 50-50 by the players union and by the ownership group. And as a result, the commissioner has to has to care evenly about both sides, because I truly believe that if Manfred owed the same amount to the players union that he does to the ownership group, we would have baseball. They'd be in spring training right now. I truly believe that
0: what you have is you have somebody else representing the owners and, and Rob Manfred stands above everything. That's, that's what you have to have rather than the person who is running the sport, representing the owners against the players. I mean, it looks like the game against the players. That's, you know, uh, and this is a good opportunity for me to mention this wonderful campaign uh, that uh, we are starting uh, because, because it leads into something. So we have started a campaign. uh, If, if you uh, would like, uh, a lot of information on it. You can go to uh, tippingyourcap.com. It's tippingyourcap.com. And what we're doing is we are asking people uh, to tip their caps to the Negro Leagues. This is the 100th anniversary of the Negro League's birth. Uh, it was supposed to be a very, very special year. Uh, In baseball, a big, long salute to the Negro Leagues. There was going to be a special day where the players were going to step out of their dugouts and tip their caps to the Negro Leagues. There were going to be all sorts of celebrations across the game. Obviously, all of those have been canceled, postponed, maybe next year. But this is the centennial, and we don't want this to go by. So uh, in conjunction with Bob Kendrick at the museum, uh, we have started this campaign uh, asking people to tip their caps to the Negro Leagues. And, uh, I can tell you, uh, this is Monday, so I don't want to give too much away, but later in the week, we will be launching, uh, this, this, the, the, it's already launched, but we will be launching it, especially with a few special guests who have already, uh, agreed to tip their caps, in the Negro leagues with videos. And, uh, I think you'll be blown away by who's, who is already involved. I've, in I've gotten
1: a little, I've gotten a little <laughs> sneak peek preview at the roster Yes. And yes. Uh, it's it's pretty impressive.
0: It's pretty impressive, <laughs> right? <laughs> we, I think I I think I think think big. We 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 are definitely thinking big. The reason I bring this up, of course, is one, of course, I want everybody who's listening to do this. Tip your cap the Negro Leagues, send us a video photo, uh, to photos at tippingyourcap.com. You can go to the website and see information, also donate to the museum. Um, but here's the here's my main point. Earlier this year, baseball gave a one million dollar donation to the negro leagues baseball museum which was very uh good of them and 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 the right thing to do and and they should want to be a part of this story of these of these players who were denied the chance but yet uh played for the love of the game and 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 changed the game in so many ways um it was it was a joint gift it was half the major league baseball players association half major league baseball Mm -hmm. and of course major league baseball was represented by by uh Uh, Rob Manford was there to speak on behalf and and Tony Clark was there to speak on behalf of the Players Association. And even then, first of all, I thought this is wonderful. It's wonderful that this is a joint gift. But even then I thought, see, this 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 is separating the two. That's right. A commissioner should not be above one side of this. A commissioner should be the one that there's somebody fighting for the owners and there's somebody fighting for the players and the commissioner is the one saying... All right, look, this is what's best for the game. And and I love your idea. I I think that's the idea. The idea is in the next agreement to have the commissioner be a joint paid jointly by the by the of course the the pay is enormous for these commissioners. That's the other side yeah. of this thing. I mean, I don't know that I'd be giving guys 20 million dollars to be commissioner of anything but for
1: a while Goodell was in the 60s right he was at like 68 million or something (laughs) I mean yes that that's another that is another problem and but but when you think about how much money they make And then you think that all that money is coming from one side that makes it way worse because it's like, you're not going to give up a $60 million gravy train by being tough on the ownership (laughs) group. You got to be out of your mind. If someone were giving me $60 million, million, I I would sure as heck make sure that those people were real happy. But if they're making $10 million, which is a whole lot of money and half of it is coming from each side, then then you're like, well this is two gravy trains and one of them doesn't work without the other one. And if one group, one of these groups isn't happy with me, I'm going to get fired. You know, it's 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 a you're right, though. The ownership group needs their own Tony Clark, right? You get a maybe you get a former owner. Maybe you get George W. Bush or someone, a former owner of a team to say, all right, you represent the trade union of the ownership group. And Tony Clark, you represent the trade union of the players group and the two of them are the negotiators for the for everything? And Rob Manfred sits neutrally, pulled evenly to both sides and makes decisions about what happens to the game. Like, I right. don't understand how you don't do that in every sport. It's bananas.
0: Well, no, that's that's all right. You, you have somebody whose job is to look for the game, but you're right. I'm getting paid 60 million dollars or 50. You know what, 20, 10 million, <laughs> any of that range. I'm I'm saying 60 games is plenty. That's exactly what I'm saying. Of course, I'm saying that publicly. Yeah. It's impossible to play more than 60 games. I wouldn't even know how we would do it. You know, all of these things. I mean, of course, if that's my job is to entirely represent the owner's perspective. Um, but, but you know what I think, you know, last point on this, you, you talk about the NBA, the owners of the NBA are certainly morally they're, they're no better, no different. I mean, we, we all know, look, billionaires are billionaires, but it does feel like the NBA, maybe because the NBA has come on hard times and 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 has had to sort of claw its way into, you know, into this place of of, of worldwide dominance the way that they are now. Maybe it's because of that. I You know, maybe it's because the, the old commissioner was so good at his job. I mean, I don't know, but it does feel like they don't think Adam Silver's job is to is to protect the owners and, and protect the owners money it feels like they feel his job is to grow the sport. And right. I don't think that's the same thing. In, I mean, forget Goodell, because that's a whole other element. But the owners, the job for Ron Manfred should be to, is to grow baseball. The job should not be protect our our money and our interests and and break the union and do whatever it is that we... That's That, to me, it's like a fundamental difference in what the job is, I think.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think there's also this weird, um, circling the wagons thing that goes on in baseball that doesn't go on in the NBA where they, you know, all of the statistics are bad for baseball. The, in the median age of the fan is the Terrible. oldest of any yeah. sport by a and lot. yeah, by a lot. And it's, it's a sport that, you know, the NFL has Mexico and Europe and the major league baseball doesn't, you know they're trying some stuff like that, but no one really cares, and no, and, no. and so they're, they're, I think that it's like there's a little bit of a feeling, and maybe I'm wrong, but the sense I get is that there's a little bit of a feeling of like we're we're uh, you know this is the we're we're on the, we're in the end game of, of baseball. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a it's an inexorable decline, and so let's just squeeze this lemon and get as much juice out of it as we possibly can before it kind of disappears. And I'll remind everyone, by the way. That, for example, just as one example off the top of my head without any malice, I'll mention the New York Yankees who were purchased by the Steinbrenner family for $10 million. (laughs) million. George Steinbrenner bought the Yankees for $10 million. And now they're worth what? I don't know. 3 something, 4 billion, 5 billion. So the, the very idea that you would be concerned if you were the Steinbrenner family with with, with a, a, a loss of however much literally however much money you you need to lose, like lose it, just lose it and get back on the field because otherwise the value of your franchise starts asymptotically moving towards zero yes. because no one cares about baseball anymore, and uh, you know it's just it, it, the Yankees are an extreme example, although I will mention again for the like 25th time that not only did George Steinbrenner buy the team for $10 million, he had the uh, foresight to uh, pass away in a year where the inheritance tax in this country went to zero, which means that they didn't even pay any inheritance tax when, the, when, the, when he died and transfer of the team went to his kids. So these people are on the gravy train of all time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, it is, the, it is a, an unbelievable, there is no investment in the world that has paid off, not Amazon stock, not Microsoft, (laughs) nothing has paid off at the level of the New York Yankees. And so uh, how you aren't leading the charge and browbeating all the other owners and saying, we have to get back on the field as quickly as possible. And you have to understand and be cool with losing money this year. I mean, you know what it is, honestly, and this is the last thing I'll say about this. When When you have... A no risk investment, literally a zero risk investment. And which is what major league baseball franchises zero have been. In fact, risk. all all professional sports franchises, maybe hockey, I'm not sure. But in the in the in the three major sports, you the the risk of your investment when you buy one of these teams is quite literally zero. Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers <laughs> for two billion dollars. They're already the value of that franchise is fifty percent higher than it was oh, when yeah. you bought it like oh, yeah. five years ago, right? Well, and
0: it's particularly true in baseball with the uh, with the um, you know the anti-monopoly, uh, right? You know, I mean, it's it's, it's they had they, yeah. the
1: federal government is barred from <laughs> allowing anyone to compete with them. It is a zero risk investment, and so when you when you enter into a zero risk investment, and then someone says, "Hey, this year there it turns out there was some risk, and you're going to actually lose money." The rest of the world is familiar with the concept of losing money, right? If you buy a house, you are familiar with the idea that your house might be on paper worth less next year than it was when you bought it. It's the nature of the universe. It's the nature of capitalism and investment and money. It just happens to everything. But these guys have had a 50-year run of zero risk. And so now this black swan event occurs and suddenly they're looking at like, what, what do you mean it's going to be worth <laughs> less money? What do you mean I'm going to lose money? That And it's so unthinkable to them because they thought they had solved capitalism yep. and found an investment that had zero risk. And now when they start to lose money, they're losing their minds. and the, And how someone doesn't come along and bop them over the head with a with Louisville Slugger, and say, wake up and understand that one year of losses is is okay for you. Yeah. A, yeah. it won't affect your life. You'll be fine. You'll still have your private jets and your in your the hairstylists that fly around with you and do your hair <laughs> every day for you know twenty eight thousand dollars a week. Nothing will change about your life. But what will change about your life is if the sport fades away. Yes. and and your franchises actually stop. Uh, be, being long-term valuable because no one cares about your sport.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's just, uh, it's, it's frustrating. All right, let's go to some questions. But before that, uh, guess what? It's, it's ad time. Oh, okay. good. Yes. Yes. A little ad here. So I will, uh, I will, I will throw this to you. Hopefully you can help me out. This is an ad for hydrant. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Hydrant.
1: I remember uh, hydrant.
0: Sure. Let me ask you this. Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> no.
1: is, it, this is, is this a call and response thing where I'm it supposed is. to... It yeah, is. No, okay.
0: no, it's call and response.
1: Great. So no, I did not know that.
0: Well, it is. It's true. We are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Why not? Because hydrant... Creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. You know what? If it was either of those, if it was just easy, it would be good.
1: <laughs> You're telling me you get both? You I'm get saying, easy and delicious. I'm
0: saying easy and delicious. You get both sides of this thing.
1: And the, Eat- and the and you wait the way you get that just to be clear is through Hydrant.
0: Through hydrant. Yes, each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. I know you remember those. Sodium, Mm -hmm. potassium, magnesium, and zinc. Right. They help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day, and it's backed by research because the formula was developed by scientists from Oxford. It's very specifically, it's Oxford scientists who, who figured this out.
1: So now wait a second. So every day... In order to get those minerals, I have been carrying around with me a giant salt lick, uh, like the the kind you give deer. Sure. Uh, And uh, a a giant thing of bananas.
0: Right, for the potassium. And
1: and also a a zinc lick. I made a zinc lick for myself, (laughs) which is a a large cube of zinc. And then uh, I inject myself with magnesium uh, through an IV.
0: Okay. So you and, do and that every morning. I
1: do that every day. Yeah. It take <laughs> it takes about four and a half hours to eat the salt lick and the zinc lick and the bananas and then do the IV drip of the magnesium. Sure. You're telling me that I can just use one packet of hydrant and get all of that and well, it's delicious. You're telling me and it's delicious. <laughs>
0: well, that's the thing. It's it's not it's not only easier because it is, it's clearly easier. It's I mean, definitely
1: obviously. easier than what yeah. I've been doing. There's right. no question about that.
0: So so just that alone should be enough for you to grab the hydrant, but yeah, delicious also they're promising some deliciousness because no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners the formula is vegan and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack the flavor That's actually way, great.
1: That's great because my Zinc lick has a lot of beef in it. It's beef and zinc. So and well, and I well yeah. of course it is. I mean I yeah. don't know
0: of zinc link that isn't uh, I
1: I make a, I put a bunch of hamburger meat in a in a blender, and right. it turned into a sort of beef slurry. <laughs> and right. then I, I mix that with, the zinc, with I, the zinc and then i freeze it and then i lick it uh, over the course of the day so it's not vegan and you're telling me this is vegan
0: this is vegan yeah so so actually this this leads to what approximately would you say is the price for your uh for your uh, ability uh and and efforts to stay hydrated what is your sort of daily price
1: it's running right now i get everything in bulk so sure. I, I spend so you do less save money anything. that way. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's running about eighteen hundred dollars a day. <laughs>
0: eighteen hundred dollars a day. So so for you, hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for oh a 30 God. day supply. How about it's, that?
1: This is so embarrassing because <laughs> I because I'm realizing how much more money I've been spending than I need to.
0: Really? It's money, it's ease, and it's deliciousness. And for twenty five percent off your first order, you can go to drinkhydrant.com slash POS for podcast. So we got our own special, uh, slash line, I guess, right. uh, that's drink slash POS for 25% off your first order drink slash POS.
1: All right. Well, I've, I've, I'm embarrassed, frankly,
0: <laughs> well, well, about how I'm
1: easy actually, and delicious this is. <laughs> I'm
0: actually, I'm actually, uh impressed though with the, with your zinc, uh, formula. I, formula I mean, I've really,
1: I've perfected it. I mean, <laughs> to the extent that such a process can be perfected, I've perfected sure. it, you know, <laughs> well, but, um, but I'm, but I now hearing about how easy hydrant is, it seems like I have been wasting yeah. a lot of time and money. Yeah.
0: This, this definitely seems like I would recommend this for you. Like Yeah. For me, I'm going like, uh, <laughs> to give it a shot
1: and, and replace my very expensive zinc magnesium uh, salt potassium uh, yeah. uh, sodium thing yeah.
0: yeah yeah plus injecting magnesium can't be good for you i'm just it's, thinking
1: my um my veins at this point because of the daily magnesium drip they look like uh <laughs> they look like the new york city subway map they're just there it's very unpleasant to look at me uh, so this, I think this is going to help me in a number of ways.
0: A number of ways. This is really, it's going to improve your life in in numerous, uh, numerous ways. All right. Let's go to some questions. Um, so we're going to start off. We actually, I, I normally don't look at the questions, but I did see the first one. So I've forwarded this to Mike. Uh, Mike uh, wants to know uh, which our favorite name is from the new Cut 4. The, I hope all of you follow Cut 4 uh, over at MLB.com. They come up with all sorts of fun baseball things. So they came up with a list of uh, best uh, baseball names of the people who were drafted in 2020. And of course, as we know, it was a very limited list because they only had five rounds uh, drafted this year, uh, which was a whole other thing that we could have done a whole other rant about. But there are still some good names on this list. So -hmm. we're looking at this list. I don't want to go through all of them because I don't think all of them are that great. But as you look over the list... Who stands out for you in in uh, in in as far as twenty twenty baseball names?
1: There's some real good names here, um, and, and they're they're mostly good in one. you know, as we've said before when discussing like the name of the year tournament, there's different categories or subcategories you might say of of great names of sure. people, and a lot of these fall into a, a, a one kind of category, which is um, they sound like. Character names from bad action movies, right? Uh, <laughs> for example, Blaze Jordan, the Red Blaise Sox. Blaze Jordan is an amazing name. Like, uh, like Blaze Jordan is the name that a like if you're if you're in like eighth grade and you write uh, your first like short story about like a superhero <laughs> or something, you would name that person Blaze Jordan. Um, that's pretty good. That's very there's, good. There's also uh, I I really like the name. Um, Burl Caraway. It's a uh, Cubs pick. Burl B U R L and then Caraway. Burl Caraway sounds to me like the name of a 1950s sort of matinee idol type, you know, <laughs> yes, like a Montgomery yes. it's like it's Montgomery Clift, like it, one of those guys. Like Burl Caraway, like if you if you told if you said like tonight on Turner Classic Movies you know the, the, it's like the the wreck of the Sierra Madre or one of those movies starring you know Rosalind Russell and Burl Carraway. You go like, yeah, oh, yeah, but I know Burl Carraway, yeah, yeah, he, yeah I can picture him in my head. he's got a a swoop of very dark uh, thick hair and a and a chiseled jaw,
0: yes, <laughs> absolutely just, you
1: know.
0: <laughs> absolutely i I gotta jump in for for Hudson Haskin uh for the Orioles. I, I think that's a very. Solid name. Of course, you have the you have the alliteration, which is always good sure. uh, for for a name. But I don't know. Hudson Haskin just feels to me like you know. I don't know. Of course, I don't know that many people named Hudson, generally.
1: Yeah, I know. But, I think I know one.
0: Yeah, but, but but I I think Hudson Haskin is like a. It's a little too close to Hudson Hawk, the terrible movie. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but but still, I'm I'm gonna give it up of the Orioles. And here's what I'm hoping: I'm hoping these teams drafted them simply for their names. Well, and Hudson
1: that's... Hudson Haskin, and then the uh, is is that the Brewers who picked Daxton Fulton? Yes, that's the Marlins. Yeah, the um I can't tell from this graphic. I think it's the but Brewers. Yeah, Hudson Haskin and Daxton Fulton also have like end of name alliteration, where everything is. Mm. You yes. Yes. <laughs> which, which is weird. Jagger Haynes, the, the uh Padres Excellent. pick it falls into the Blaze Jordan category of action hero. Yes.
0: Um,
1: or maybe rock star, I guess, as Jagger suggests, rock star. But, but I'll tell you what my favorite name of all of these is. Uh it's the Cardinals pick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Tink Hence. Tink T- Hence. Tink Hence, T I N K, and then Hence, like henceforth. And And it's "Tink hence" is is sound uh, is like a an old timey like British uh, colloquial (laughs) phrase meaning like from now on or something, you know, like like you would read it in like a 19th century British uh, legal document, right? Where (laughs) it's like the you know the barrister announces that "Tink hence all all cases shall come forth," like it's. (laughs) It doesn't seem like a human. It no. seems like a. It seems like a, a some kind of legal doctrine from the 19th yes. century.
0: Tinkheads. I, I think Tinkheads is my favorite, but I, I we should throw two more out there. Um, first of all, there's Tacoa Roby uh, for the Texas Rangers. Uh, tacoa T E K O A H Roby. That's just um, a
1: cool name, man. It's a, that cool, is a cool Name. name. Yeah. I
0: mean, like of all the names that I'm seeing on here and thinking, like. Like years from now, uh, people will be wearing that person's jersey. Like Takoa Roby sounds like the guy. Like, like that's that sounds five tool to me as a, T- as a player.
1: Takoa Roby is just it just rolls off the tongue. It's it just does. A, it's, it's a very so like good. Yeah. When I, was, I I don't know if we've talked about this before, but when I was a kid and I started collecting baseball cards, there was a there was a wide receiver for the Seahawks named Daryl Turner. Do you remember Daryl Turner? Oh
0: sure, very fast.
1: Daryl Turner he was like the fastest guy in the league, and yep. I saw his football card in 1985 or whatever and it was just like that's the name I want like I want that (laughs) name I want to be Daryl Turner that's so cool I I don't know it just like it hit some kind of pleasure center in my brain and I was like and I I was like should I I honestly considered telling my parents that I wanted to be renamed Daryl Turner (laughs) and I feel like Takoa Robey has that same feeling to it somehow like it just yeah. is like it's like the I've I i do not know who Tacoa Roby is or what tacoa Roby's story is. Tacoa Roby is cooler than I am. Like I Tek- just you there's no way that guy isn't cooler than we are. Tacoa
0: Roby is very, very cool. I love that name.
1: The name, by the way, for
0: me as a kid that was like that, the one that just sort of blew up my imagination, Austin Carr. I just thought oh, Austin Carr. It's is a such good a good name. name. It's so good. <laughs> Austin Carr. Uh the other name I want to mention not because I think it's good but because we should mention it cuz it's the Yankees Beckway B E C K W A Y not a good name but no. but I don't know there's something about I'm I'm imagining us doing this podcast in I don't know 6 years and we'll be sitting there talking about Beckway going on a Twelve home run, two week span, right? Where like, like, totally. who is Beckway? And then Beck Way is going to like carry them to, well, the, to- the,
1: and and then you know that there's going to be people in the right field grandstand at the new Yankee stadium with New York city street signs that say Beck way. On right, them. Like right. that, that'll be the Aaron judge robe thing. Like it'll be like, we're renaming this street outside Yankee stadium back way, or I guess back way way.
0: <laughs> back way way. Exactly. Oh,
1: I no. already hate that guy. I re-
0: <laughs> Sorry, Beck way. It's, it's wrong. It's just wrong. All That's right. Not
1: his fault he got drafted by the Yankees. That's not, yeah. you can't blame him.
0: No, you can't. You can't blame him. Speaking of the Yankees, you, did you see the Derek Jeter? I mean, excuse me, not Derek Jeter, Ken Griffey, uh, thing from from the documentary that they did I, on MLB Network. I
1: haven't actually seen it, but I I've seen clips, you, and I well, saw you saw that, the clip about him talking about the Yankees, how he hated yeah, the Yankees, and it made me so happy. Oh, it was God, so
0: great. So he, he and it, it it goes back to a story when he was a kid that uh, his his dad brought him to to uh, Yankee Stadium, and and uh, uh, an usher or somebody said, "Hey, he can't be here." And, and he said, well, he's my son. He's like, I'm sorry, you can take him to the clubhouse, but he can't well, specifically,
1: be here. specifically, he says, George doesn't want George. Summer George, doesn't, right. Doesn't right. want anybody in the, in the dugout,
0: in, in the a, dugout. Right. Yeah. George doesn't want anybody. And so they said, okay. And then, and then, uh, Ken Griffey senior turned to his son and said, look at third base. And there at third base, uh, uh, Greg Nettles and his kid were like field taking ground balls, taking like,
1: grounders. Not, not even Griffey wasn't even on the field; he was just in the dugout. And then Greg Nettles' his kid was at third taking grounders, and Ken Griffey Jr. was like, "Got it. I understand <laughs> it. I know what you're saying." And for the rest of his life, was like, "I hate the Yankees." I hate the Yankees. I there was, a, then, great, there was yeah, a great, there's a great clip
0: of him where he was saying, "If the Yankees were the only team, I would retire."
1: Like he's so. signing He's signing autographs for kids, a nice thing to do. And they're like, hey, come play for the Yankees. And he was like, I will never play for the Yankees. Never. Never. If they are the only team to offer me a contract, I will retire. And then the, and the guy says something and he goes, you don't believe me? You don't know me. You don't I'm, know me. I've, ne- I've always loved Ken Griffey Jr., but yeah. I've never loved well, him more. He
0: is. He is now the official player of the podcast, like the like, oh, like, like the lifetime player of the. No,
1: podcast. we're just it's we he we're we're just uh we're retiring his number in the podcast. He goes into the <laughs> rafters, like it's it's instantaneous election to all time greatest podcast player.
0: <laughs> Absolutely right. All right, here we go. Let's go through these quick. Dave wants to know what's the best food normally eaten while hot that is actually just as good, if not better, while eaten cold. Uh oh, good one uh, you know what fried chicken comes to mind i know you're a vegetarian so you won't you don't do that anymore but I, I mean i
1: have i have some good memories of eating cold fried chicken yeah
0: fried chicken is pretty good um, I, I like
1: that I, most people are going to say pizza i'm not a cold pizza guy no, I, think I agree cold is disgusting i don't understand people who eat cold pizza <laughs> i will say this uh a certain kinds of pasta uh like Ooh. the next day Uh, eaten cold are I find really delicious. Like that's interesting. Yeah, like a cold pasta. If you make pasta with like marinara sauce and maybe some some like you know vegetables stirred in there or whatever, and you eat it the next, it's often very good cold. Okay,
0: I I could see that. I I think I've done that. That's good. Yeah. Mike wants to know why is olive oil considered extra virgin? Was virgin olive oil not
1: sufficient? This is an excellent question. And I don't know the answer. Um, I, uh, in times when I have been in supermarkets and have had to buy olive oil, I always pause at the moment where I'm like, <laughs> do I want virgin olive oil or extra virgin? Extra virgin. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I assume it's part of the refining process or the distillation process from the olives. Um, but it I, feels I, like
0: I, virgin is enough. It feels to me, but, but, but yet I'm sure if I go to our, our uh, covered right now, I'm sure it's extra virgin. I, I don't like, to me, it's sort of like, I don't understand. It's, it's a little bit like extra strength and maximum strength, uh, for, for, uh, for different, uh, aspirins and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like just, if, if you've got the, if you've got the power, just go ahead and go for it. I don't like, I don't yeah. know what the, ver- I mean, is the Virgin cheaper? I mean, if it's cheaper, maybe it's worth it. But- I
1: think that, I think this is a case like those extra strength, maximum strength, whatever, where it's just marketing. And so I actually wonder whether some aspect of extra Virgin isn't marketing. I'm not sure right. there was, an, I will say this, there was an excellent and hilarious and wonderful, I believe 60 minutes piece about uh counterfeit olive oil yes. uh, a few years ago? Yes. Do you remember this? It yes, was I true. do. I encourage everyone to go find it. It was it was amazing because there's this enormous mafia run racket um, of selling olive oil that isn't actually olive oil. It's it's oil made from other things. Uh, and, you know, they, they take really cheap uh, oils and they put them in very fancy looking bottles and they sell it as like, this is true, you know, uh, Italian countryside olive oil right. and as a result the Italian government which wanted to crack down on this have hired these olive oil tasters who sit in these cubicles and are and like are trained they have like trained this is so european they've incredibly refined and trained palates for determining uh, actual olive oil from this other oils. To me. and they they take these little cups in blind taste tests and they, they pour the olive oil directly in their throats and then like gargle it. Uh, And then they're like, this is not olive oil. And then the people, like then the, then the authorities would like crack down on that company. It was fascinating and incredible. And it made you realize like, Oh, so much you go to the store and you go, you see a, a bottle of olive oil and it has like a beautiful sort of like Renaissance, looking label with like beautiful vines and colors and an italianate countryside scene or whatever and you think well boy this looks like some good (laughs) olive oil and it's a complete like book by the cover situation where you might be getting some really crappy stuff uh so i think that ultimately is more important whether it's actually olive oil is probably a bigger question yeah
0: that's bigger than whether it's virgin or extra virgin yeah i think that's a good call all
1: right. Hannah
0: wants to know, is ice hockey a water sport? Ooh, Hannah, I, I got to say yes. Right. I mean, it's, it's.
1: No, sure. I can't. No, I don't think so. I don't, because <laughs> water, because water sports imply um, when you say water sport, you're implying that people are in water, I think. So you water have to follow, be
0: submerged. Yeah.
1: Water skiing. You have to be submerged. or The water has to be in its liquid state in order to provide the Playing field surface that is implied by the term water sport. So I'm going to say no.
0: All right. I, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go. Yes. I, the Water is water. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit like, uh, like Dr. Manhattan. I see things on, you know, <laughs> all, all of the same level, right? All at the same time. <laughs> like, like, I can see, I can see what it doesn't matter to me, the state of water. I just see it as water. All right. All right. Sean wants to know what fictional or TV movie characters would make a better MLB commissioner than Rob Manfred. And you can't say all of them.
1: Oh, all right. Well, then I don't know how to answer. <laughs> um, better MLB commissioner than Rob Manfred. Well, OK, so what have we just said in the first 48 minutes of this podcast? It's a person who's, who is rational, right, but also sort of tough and even handed right and and has a lot of integrity
0: there's only one guy
1: who's that i mean it's
0: it's it's got to be uh it's got to be nick offerman doesn't it? oh ron swanson Swanson,
1: ron swanson would be a good commissioner certainly i would say um president bartlett from the west wing would be a better commissioner right um oh i would say um sandra o's character from killing eve (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> be a, be, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she because she's a very very like focused person. Yeah, that's and true. Has, and has a real sense of like right and wrong, even if she's been. And she's human; she strays from her mission occasionally and and stuff. But like, it's always in the sort of uh, in the guise of um, like justice, yeah, and stuff. So yeah. I would say um, there's probably a, the 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 answer to this is probably a female character. I would I would say, think, I think so. You know, unless like, it,
0: unless it's like, like Bunk
1: from The Wire,
0: <laughs> do Bunk would be a great commissioner? He would just be having fun, he would
1: just be See, enjoying it. I would say Kima Griggs would be a better, yeah, commissioner. yeah. She would, <laughs> there's bunk. no doubt. Yeah, Bunk dr- Bunk drinks too much. <laughs> I would say Omar would be a better commissioner. Omar,
0: could be, Omar would be an excellent commissioner. In Let's fact, say, okay. I would say Omar, say, right say Omar
1: right now, Omar Little. <laughs> we'll go with Omar. Omar if, if the owners start acting up or the players start acting up and Omar just starts whistling the farmer in the dell everyone freaks <laughs> out and it's like they just do whatever whatever he says whatever he exactly. wants. Exactly.
0: 65 games that's fine. That's fine. We'll just be right in the middle. <laughs> All right. Uh I don't know how to pronounce this name. It looks like Sepinwall, Sepanwall. Uh hmm. Alan Wall wants to know what can I do to get back in your good graces?
1: Oh, um I mean, there's probably nothing uh, that you can do. I, I mean, what do you? Uh, okay, wear an Andrew Benintendi jersey. Right, that's first. I think he needs to do your video.
0: If he yeah. does the video,
1: the reverse version of your video. Oh, or uh, yeah, right, exactly. I don't know what the food would be that he would have to eat, but he would have to say a bunch of stuff about the Yankees, like the the Yankees cheating scandal is real,
0: right? Um,
1: you know, because right. they they're. Uh, I don't know what the food would be. I can't remember if he has ever come out hard against a certain kind of food. He could also, I suppose, um, admit that Groundhog Day isn't a holiday movie. Right, right. That and would, that Bugs Bunny's go- not
0: a movie. Yeah. <laughs> these would all and look this is just a starting point alan we'll, we'll, we'll we can yeah. come up with a full list for you but just as a starting point this gets
1: you in the game of being redeemed <laughs> in our eyes but it doesn't go all the way it, it would be a long list of things at this point
0: <laughs> Paul wants to know what is the television equivalent of bobby valentine wearing the fake mustache and glasses after being thrown out of a game is there there's is there anything in television that is that is Quite does, as awesome as that?
1: Does he mean like from a from like a, a similar mo- plot move that like a character did, or does he just mean know. what's what's something as awesome as that?
0: Yes, yeah, so I think it's. I I I'm picking it up as something as awesome as 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 that. Well,
1: um, I mean, you'd have to go to like um, you know, you'd have to go to like uh, the, you know, the final season of Breaking Bad, or like right, you know, right. some great episode of like or or like the the I don't know the end of like the, the very, the finale of the Mary Tyler Moore show. You know, oh, yeah, a, yeah. something like some <laughs> some iconic TV moment like that, the end of cheers or you know what I mean? Like well, a,
0: it could be the end of new of the second New Heart show where it turned out that the whole show sure. was a dream from the first New Heart show. That well, was
1: what that was this, good. though? What if we think of this as like, okay, so Bobby Valentine, granted, he made it to a World Series a couple did did make it to two World Series? No, just one, right? Just the
0: one with the Mets, okay. right? That was oh,
1: he, and he obviously had a lot of success as a manager at different times, but generally teams. Generally speaking, though, he's a little bit of a disaster Oh like, yeah. a, as a as like a as like a, 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 a sort of a force in baseball. He's a little bit chaotic and his season with the Red Sox is the most is the worst is like the true low point of the 21st century. So maybe we should think of this as like what's a what's a, the what's the, the TV equivalent of a of a show that kind of is like really erratic and is, is mostly sort of garbagey, but had this one thing where, oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Like if, yeah, yeah. Like, like a sort of like a show that wasn't Cheers or wasn't the Mary Tyler Moore show, but had like a singular kind of iconic moment.
0: One moment where it was yeah. like, yeah, it was like great.
1: Ah, that's, that's, I mean, I think that's maybe the way to think of this, but I don't know what the answer would be off the top of my head. Yeah,
0: but I like that. I like that as a, uh, as a, like, as a thought experiment. Like, to me, that's, you're right. It's like, it's like somebody who, like, like, you, you, it would be a show that you don't particularly like, and then one, it has like this one shining moment of brilliance, Yeah, right, that would be, uh, that would be, um, uh, yeah, I, I like that. All right, we'll think about it.
1: All right, I'll well let's let's that. take submissions for that. For yeah. By the way, if I you did. want to
0: send one in, yeah, uh, send one in. Uh, so basically, we're looking for a television show that
1: that um, uh, isn't known for being like a classic. It doesn't I have to be known bad. To be,
0: no, no, but 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 have this one shining because that is a shining moment of brilliance, certainly for for Bobby Valentine.
1: Yes, uh, no question.
0: By the way, I've I've now decided uh, that uh, that uh, Raylan uh, Givens should be the commissioner of baseball. Oh my
1: god, a hundred percent, right?
0: Oh, <laughs>
1: great idea. Yes, that
0: I, I was sitting there thinking, like, wait a minute, there is somebody like that would be just perfect, and just it would definitely be Raylan.
1: Calm, cool, and collected, like yep. ne- never gets yep. ruffled, but also like if you cross him, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: really really sort of follows the rules but really doesn't follow the rules i mean i i think that would be so great all right raylan givens for commissioner uh, john wants to know what are your views on twisted seatbelts
1: i mean what view is there to have other than say, it's incredibly think. annoying right and there's <laughs> yeah. no like there's no like who's pro twisted seatbelts in the world yeah. <laughs>
0: That, that would be that would be some group. By the way, the pro twisted seatbelt group would be.
1: That's going to be that's and Wall's stance. I'll bet. That's going to be or Brandon. That's going to be. No, I like it when the seatbelt's all twisted. Yeah, that, that's
0: actually really kind of. It's better that way. It's. Tighter. I,
1: I enjoy the way it digs into my shoulder blades uncomfortably as I drive.
0: You know, I was watching something the other day, and I, and I don't know why this had slipped my mind. I guess it's because it's been years. But do you remember? I mean, maybe some cars still do this, but do you remember the cars where the seatbelt, like you would get in and the seatbelt would then like come, it would like then like go, it would like, it would move. Yeah. uh, The shoulder seatbelt would move and come into place. Yes. I had totally forgotten about that. I guess maybe, I don't know if there are any cars that still do that, but that was goofy. That really was kind of goofy. Yeah.
1: They were, they were going for something there and they didn't (laughs) quite get it
0: uh <laughs> <laughs> it was really really goofy Garrett
1: by the way now I, now i'm thinking about all of the characters from justified who would be good commissioners all of them
0: race. all of them <laughs> like would be rachel, better than, than than him for sure.
1: rachel rachel brooks who is oh, one of the you know, marshals in that office greatest. she would she would be an excellent commissioner i think uh, um uh, art mullen would be a art, good commissioner nick searcy's character would be a art very would good commissioner.
0: Be a great but nick would not be from what i can tell about uh about
1: no <laughs> maybe not nick but um tim oh tim gutterson uh who's oh, the yeah. other marshal. he would be a very good uh, commissioner absolutely
0: absolutely
1: yeah, i i'm even gonna go as far as to say that boyd crowder would be <laughs>
0: Yes, yes. Right. Boyd would be a pretty good – Dickie Bennett would not,
1: but, no, but Boyd. Boyd Crowder would be a good commissioner, though. You know who
0: would be great? A great commissioner? The Margot Martindale character. Oh, mags. my God. Mags.
1: <laughs> mags would be inc- – I mean, no one's going to cross Mags. Oh, Elson Limehouse from season three. Yes, uh, would yes. Be a very, with the giant machete. <laughs> just all the meetings are in his like his weird slaughterhouse i mean no one crosses that guy there's so many good characters who uh from that show who would who would have been good commissioners
0: that show is so great oh That's my god! all right eric wants to know is mickey mouse likable interesting funny
1: uh i'm gonna say not interesting not funny but likable
0: he feels pretty likable right yeah
1: he's pretty like I mean, he's fun i mean You know, based on his popularity with children over the last hundred years, I would say he's got to be—he's got to have some kind of. (laughs) You
0: think? You think? You think we we've discovered that he's like something? There's yeah. I mean, I've
1: never—I don't—I've never found any any Disney cartoon really funny. I don't think. I don't think they're really supposed to be funny. Well, they're like funny,
0: like in a like in a sort of a larger context, right? They're they're funny. Like Goofy is supposed to be fun. Like Donald Duck is supposed to be funny, right? Donald
1: Duck is funny. Um yeah. is closer to funny. He's not nearly as funny as like Daffy Duck. Like the no, Looney, no, no. Looney
0: Tunes them. are just yeah. way funnier than, yeah. than Disney. But I think Mickey Mouse feels feels uh likable though. I mean Mickey Mouse feels Kermit the Frog likable, I think. Yeah.
1: There's a great moment in um in uh a Mad Men in a later season where um, Don Draper befriends uh, Hilton, the head of the Hilton. I think it's Hilton. Yes, Conrad and Hilton. Conrad yeah, Hilton, Connie. yeah. And, and, uh, and he shows Draper his idea for a new advertising campaign, which is basically Mickey Mouse. Um, <laughs> trying, to, trying to capitalize on the sort of likability of Mickey Mouse by showing him like a, popping up into a, an ad for a hotel room he says i'm really excited about this what do you think and draper just immediately goes i don't think anybody wants to think about a rodent in a hotel room (laughs) (laughs) it's like all right yeah fair enough (laughs) that is really good
0: Uh, let's do two more before we go to the draft andrew wants to know can we ever expect a return to the focus on segments that was ascendant in the podcast for like three episodes and was then never discussed again
1: Okay, well, um, obviously the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> no, there, there was never any focus on anything in the podcast, and that was like a thing that popped into our brains for, <laughs> I guess, three podcasts and then disappeared forever. So obviously the answer is no. But yeah. also, like, what what are you doing trying to trying to like assert? the idea that there's any kind of planning or consistency. To I, know,
0: I know. I know. I mean, and, and clearly this is somebody who listens to this show. So you should know better.
1: Yeah. No, the yeah. answer is no, the answer is it, no. Any, anything that we've ever said or done uh, <laughs> is immediately dropped and replaced with something else. And, and, um, and that's the end of the story.
0: <laughs> yes. And that's the end of the story. That's literally it. And this is like, like you know, how like there are some TV shows where they just restart every week and, and, and whatever plot points, uh, you know, where were the previous week are just gone. It's just, yeah. it's just erased, you know, it's a, Arrested Development's a little bit like that. It's just everything is just erased essentially. Um, yeah, that's a podcast. That's, right. <laughs> that's all right. Actually, there are two more because I want, I want to get Adam's question. And since it's, it's, uh, from his two year old, Adam wants to know from my two year old, which is a better animal, a tiger or a bear?
1: Oh, tiger by far.
0: Yeah, I don't I'm not I I don't love the bear.
1: No, bear, bears can be cute and they, yeah. they do cute funny things sometimes and they they like lope around and sometimes they'll wander into a someone's trampoline or something and <laughs> jump up and down. They're, I I like bears and I I think bears are majestic and and I think oh, sure. footage oh, sure. footage, of, footage of grizzly bears catching salmon are are endlessly uh, delightful. Um, but tigers are just the coolest, like what's Ti- better. What's cooler than a tiger?
0: No, tigers are incredibly cool. The thing about the bear is maybe this is just too close to home. It is not impossible that if you're out in the country, somewhere, a bear will come to like, uh, like, you know, and not even meaning to hurt or whatever, but you know, they'll come and then they're there and then they see you and then you're in like real danger.
1: Yeah. I, tigers. I, that's I, not
0: happening here. It's not happening. No,
1: And I, t- there's, there's really nothing cooler than the big cats in general. Like the big cats, the leopards, the tigers, the pumas, and panthers, lions, lions. like the, those, those are the best, that's the best that the animal kingdom has to offer outside of the kind of extreme far end of the bell curve of coolness, which is your elephants yeah, and, your say, and your rhinos and your hippos, those, those, kind of, those kind of guys. Um, you know what's an underrated animal that we, should, that we should care more about is the moose. The moose is, moose the, is a moose, great animal. Moose are amazing. They're yeah. First of all, they weigh like 2 billion pounds. <laughs> Someone should check my uh, facts on that. I yeah, I'll, I'll
0: look that up. But I, that up. I think it's 2 billion. I yeah. think
1: it's in the neighborhood of 2 billion pounds. And they right. have the most enormous antlers of any animal ever. And right. here's the crazy thing. They swim. They're excellent <laughs> swimmers. Nothing that big ought to be that good at swimming. It's really like I was on a canoe trip once when I was 15, so this is 1991. I was on a canoe. I went on a canoe trip in Maine with my dad and my friend and his dad. Okay. And we were just, we just went long canoe trip, like a week long canoe trip floating down these uh, uh, rivers and in, uh, in in very, very, very deep rural Maine. And we were floating down this river and on the bank ahead of us, on the right bank ahead of us, we saw in the biggest moose that has ever existed in the wild. <laughs> it weighed uh, four and a half billion pounds. 4.5 billion, 4.5 okay. 4.5 billion, so it was on right? the high end of how a big moose can get. And, um, and we were like, oh my God, look, there's a moose. And we had seen a lot of them, but like this was a real creature, you know? So um, he's maybe 100 yards or 75 yards in front of us on the bank, just kind of hanging out. So we're floating down, it's per- deadly quiet. We're floating down, we're just watching him. He He walks to the river and starts swimming. And immediately, our our uh, sense of geometry uh, <laughs> extrapolated the fact that we were on a, an absolute collision course, that this weird, <laughs> the speed we were floating and the speed that this moose had begun to wade into the river, he was basically like, he was going to intercept the pass of our canoe. Wow. And so we were like, okay, let's not panic. What are we going to do? Uh, and it was like, well, there's nothing to do. Let's not make a big fuss or whatever. But like we're, we're floating and floating and now we're 20 yards away and now he's, you know, 20 yards away uh, to our right. And we're sort of we start to like brace ourselves because we think it seems like he's coming to murder us. <laughs> That's what <it> is. <laughs> like if, if he if his intention had been to murder us, he would have been doing it perfectly
0: successful. So, yeah. so
1: I remember my dad and me both grabbing the sides of the canoe uh, to brace ourselves for impact. And then when he was about 10 yards away, he went underwater. And nobody said a word. We just kept floating, floating at like, you know, one mile an hour. And we just drifted and drifted and we braced ourselves because we thought maybe he's going underneath to like, you know, buck us from below and overturn us. And it was the it was really tense. And then nothing happened and we kept floating. And then when we were probably 10 yards further on the now to our left, he just like pops up. (laughs) And then he walks up the left bank of the river and just starts like hanging out on the left bank of the river. And it was, it's to this day, one of the most in like intense, majestic and, and uh, incredible uh, moments of my life. It was truly, truly insane. And that, that feeling I had of like this animal, seeing how big it was that close was, uh, was tr- It was insane. It was truly insane.
0: I love it. I love it. The moose is just moose are fast too. Yeah. Like they're fast. They they do everything. They every,
1: they're, they're like they're they're like a five-tool player in the animal. They are a five-tool
0: animal, there's no <laughs> doubt. There's no doubt about it. All right, last one, uh and this is directly for you. According to Hot Sports Take Mike, all right, you got to put your Hot Sports Take Mike hat on. Right. What's more important when it comes to player evaluation, passing the eye test <laughs> or playing with grit? Oh. Ooh.
1: Look, Ooh, that is it's, a, tough. it's vitally important that <laughs> players pass the eye test. We know that. Like, if they don't pass the eye test, you don't draft them. Obviously. Right. Right. But but there's no substitute for playing with grit. I mean, <laughs> that, that's the difference between your David Ecksteins and your, uh, you know, Adrian Gonzalez's, for right. example. You pick Eckstein every time. The Eckstein's the guy you don't want to beat you, right? You don't want, you don't want, you can't let the guy with grit beat you. Right. Because, uh, because that grit is what is what makes the difference. That's the difference between a championship and an also (laughs) ran is that is that grit and that determination. So I I, look, it's again, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, you know, minimize the importance of passing the eye test. Yes. Obviously important that these guys pass the eye test, but there's no substitute for grit.
0: But as, uh, as a hot take, Mike scout, doesn't part of passing the eye test mean playing with grit? I mean, no, wouldn't that no, be part? No, no,
1: no, Totally different things. Oh, totally. you,
0: can't, you can't see it with the, with you the
1: eye. You can't see grit. <laughs> you have to experience grit as it's happening. Passing the eye test means what's the cut of this guy's jib? Right, right? jib. What is, what is how, how, um, how square is his jaw? Sure. He's, 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 it, first of all, obviously, we all know to pass the eye test, you have to be at least 6'2". Right. Um. You have to look good in your uniform. Sure. Um, You've got to look like a ball player, all that yep. stuff. But, but, and, and so you start there, right? You start, yes. when you're drafting guys, you start there. Does he pass the eye test? And then you say, okay, now let's get these guys on the field. And then you see who has the grit that's going to take to give you a championship, to get you that ring. So I, 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 you know, there are certainly guys who pass the eye test who don't have any grit. And that's why they don't Ugh. succeed, you know? Yep,
0: yep. Well, that's the problem. The problem is you see guys with talent and no grit. You don't want those guys. No. You don't want those guys. But guys with grit and no talent? Yeah, you want that guy.
1: You want those guys. (laughs) You want to (laughs) fill your team with those guys.
0: (laughs) All right, time for our draft. Before we do that, we have our second ad. Very exciting. Our second ad. I think this is the first time uh, that you and I have been able to discuss dugout mugs. Dugout mugs, okay? It is a company started in a college baseball dugout. Hence the name Tinkens, the name (laughs) Dugout Mugs. Um, What they did with Dugout Mugs is they took the barrel of a baseball bat and turned it into a 12 ounce mug.
1: Okay, are you are you visualizing? I'm I'm here. I'm with you so far. (laughs) Keep going.
0: It's licensed by MLB. So your favorite team can be laser engraved onto a birch wood baseball bat barrel mug. I'm going to say that again. Birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. Okay. Perfect for the big game to be put on display or to be the life of the party. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. It's the unique gift for baseball fans. And well, they'd say it's looking for a father's day gift. You you missed too late, too late on that one. But if you just miss baseball, which we all do, we all do. I think it would mean something. To to me as as someone who misses baseball, if I was drinking this water out of a dugout mug, I think See, I think it would mean something.
1: I do something else with my dugout mugs. I fill them with a combination of magnesium, <laughs> potassium.
0: Well, of course, sodium. Sure. So, and, and, yep. and
1: I just and what's the fourth one?
0: Zinc um, and zinc.
1: zinc. <laughs> yeah, and then, so I get I sort of kill two birds with one stone. You know, I get I get my four basic hydration nutrients out and i drink them out of the baseball mug and then i've completed the podcast uh uh cycle that's called a cycle it's a cycle cycle. it works
0: works well that way here's (laughs) the thing you go to dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic this is not uh this is not ours this is the uh full-fledged athletic go to dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic if you use the promo code mlb30 you get 30 percent off your first purchase so that's Hmm dugoutmugs.com forward slash the athletic code MLB dot uh, MLB 30 is your code for 30% off. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today.
1: I'm going to say that even though father's day was yesterday, buy it now. Right. For next Father's Day. For next Father's right? Day, and sure. You, like, take care of your 2021 Father's Day shopping now. <laughs> You'll be so happy when you realize you didn't get your dad anything for Father's Day. And you're like, well, no, I have a dugout mug. That would
0: be, that would actually be such a moment for you. Right. right. When you're just like, oh, Father's Day. Oh, I already did this. I already got the dugout mug.
1: When our kids were like four and two, my wife did the, uh, a, a truly brilliant thing. Which is that she went to Target, I think, and she bought like twenty-five basic generic kid <laughs> birthday presents and just right? threw them in the closet. And so we would we would wake up on Saturday morning. And go like, oh God, it's it's Joey's birthday, uh, <laughs> and we would just go to the closet, and there'd be like there'd be Legos, and there'd be like a squirt gun, and whatever, and we would just grab something, and it, it's it's one of the greatest parent hacks of all time. Is that a, is you, a
0: great parent hack? Yeah,
1: just tons of just books and stickers and all this sort of stuff, and then we just were like, all right, we're giving Joey this thing and this thing. Here we go, throw them <laughs> in a bag. Let's hit the party because it, you always forget. You always, always, always forget, and it's such a pain. So she just went – she bought like $500 worth of, worth of children's <laughs> birthday gifts, and we slowly gave them away over the course of like four years.
0: I think what we're saying is buy 12 dugout mugs for the next 12 father days. There you day, go. I think. Um, Don't you make
1: Yeah, Yeah, do, just do, go by Division, right? Go AL East and then AL Central, AL West. <laughs> just get the whole AL. What if you mugs?
0: Actually now this makes me mad that the dugout mug wasn't around for your video, so you could have had a drink out of a dugout mug Yankee. Yeah,
1: dugout that would mug. have been great. A, a Derek Jeter model <laughs> dugout mug. The only thing that could have made that worse and more embarrassing. <laughs>
0: That is, by the way, still on the top of uh, of uh, Mike's Twitter uh, over yeah. at Ken Tremendous. So, if you want to see the video, if you've not seen it, but really, if you just want to see it every day, it's. I think that's that's um, fine too. I, I right? keep
1: almost taking it down, and then I think like, well, it still has information about the L.A. Regional Food Bank, sure. so I've sort of left it up. But I I, I think I'm going to take it down fairly soon. So yeah, it'll still so, get my feed. I'm not going to delete it, but uh, but it just no, no, be-
0: but it's going to be off your off of your uh, the top of your Twitter feed. So yep. uh, get there soon, get there quick, and 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 pop on all right uh let's do our draft we are drafting condiments that is our draft this week um i think the amazing thing that both of us couldn't believe is that we haven't drafted condiments before we are not guaranteeing that we have not drafted condiments before maybe we have uh we don't care we don't want to hear if we have uh
1: yeah we don't we don't remember if we have and we don't particularly care
0: Right, so don't email us and say, "Oh no, you guys did that no, I don't care, I don't care it, it's,
1: actually wait if, <laughs> if we have, and someone somehow remembers that we have, I actually would be curious to see how it went the last time we did, <laughs> it, and whether it bears any resemblance <laughs> to what we're doing now
0: that's actually, that's probably true, so if if I don't think we have though, I really don't, I don't um why don't you go ahead and take the first pick in our condiment draft
1: all right there's there's a you know there's a very boring debate about what counts as a condiment yes, right? some some yes. people say that a condiment is anything you sort of add to a dish to to make it taste in a different way or to enhance it or something but i think there's a i think there's a difference between condiments and seasonings right and so i'm not including things like salt and pepper and stuff like that because i think of those as seasonings or spices not okay. condiments condiments to me have a certain amount of liquidity to them. That's really the only way that I can sort of like d- define it. There's Good. a certain, like there are things you can, that sort of ooze onto the dish uh, so or, or pour onto the dish. So that's just a sort of caveat. So with my first pick, I'm going to uh, take salsa. Um, salsa very Delicious. frequently referred to as the quote, fastest growing condiment in America. I'm not sure how they judge those things or who's <laughs> keeping track over there at NASA of, of about different condiments are growing but I think there's a reason which is that I think salsa was ignored for a long time uh, and then sometime in my in our lifetimes of maybe 30 years ago suddenly people were like oh this is amazing this is an amazing thing I think that there is no better if you are if it's three o'clock in the afternoon right and you're hungry and you don't want a huge production. You don't want to like really have to make anything for yourself, but you also don't just want like a piece of bread or something very like, or, or like a, a handful of cashews. The the single best use of your time and the best thing you can make for yourself is nachos. And what I mean by nachos is the most basic version of nachos, meaning right. tortilla chips, cheese, and salsa. That's exactly it. Right. Do That's that. It. You take a bunch of tortilla chips, you throw them on a plate, you cover it with cheese, you microwave it for thirty seconds, you get a jar of salsa, and you eat the chips with the salsa. It is the single best snack that you can make. The whole it's from beginning to end, it's two minutes maximum, and it is so good that when I start eating it, I I have to like. It's one of those snacks that you're like, oh, if I don't force myself to just stop <laughs> eating this, I will. I'll eat it. I'll be like a. Have you ever heard? You know the story of like horses. Horses will eat until their stomachs explode. Like you, yep. when you're taking care of horses, you have to be really careful on how much food you give them. If you just leave them uh, as much food, they'll just keep eating forever. That is me with chips and salsa. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll pick salsa, and I'll also say side note: if the salsa is not hot, it is not salsa. There's okay. no, there's no mild salsa is is fine, but it's essentially pointless. The point of salsa is that it's hot. And that it has kick to it, and so if you're not, if you're, if you're, if you're into like the mild or even medium, I, by the way, it's also funny that there's mild and medium, which are the same thing, but, <laughs> but they apparently are different. Um, but uh, hot salsa is the only real salsa, in my opinion. So that's my first pick.
0: Well, I've, I'm, I feel bad because I mean, there's, there's nothing you said that I disagree with, other than. I could see value in a medium salsa. I mean, I i mean, I'm not that's not would not be my preference, but I don't I, I see value in it. I you know, I don't think it's worthless. I don't think you've, you've you know, if you if you're like, eh, I don't want I don't want quite that much kick. Have at it. Salsa is meant to be enjoyed. It's delicious. Here's my.
1: <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Can can the, can the sentence, Salsa is meant to be enjoyed, be the, <laughs> the official sub-headline of the podcast? Can, it, can this now be called the podcast? Salsa, salsa is meant to be enjoyed. <laughs> that's one of the most boring statements that anyone has ever made.
0: <laughs> I feel so good about it. I feel so good about Salsa is meant to be enjoyed. But here's my one question for you about Salsa. How chunky do you want your Salsa?
1: Okay. Um pretty chunky, but not so chunky that the chunks are the main event. You know what uh, I mean? Like, okay. like, like I don't want it to be mostly chunks with a little liquid. I want it to have a like a consistency, a smooth consistency to it that then has chunks within it. I don't like the kind of salsa you sometimes get at restaurants where it's just basically seemingly chunks of tomato and onion and peppers and stuff. And, a and there's no a, liquid and like there's like a little, a tiny, watery, little yeah. watery nonsense. Right. Around. No, I do not.
0: like that, but that's not salsa. That's like, that's salsa. like something else. It's like, yeah. I, and it, but yeah, I, all right, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's an excellent first pick. I mean, it was my second pick. So excellent first pick. My first pick is, uh, I mean, you can rip me for this if you want, but it's, I have no choice as someone who grew up in Cleveland. Uh, there is only one condiment that you can possibly choose. And that is mustard uh, Cleveland is, um, locally famous for their mustard. I, I, it's so weird. I did not realize, like I grew up on mustard. Uh, it, you know, there, there are two, there's stadium mustard, which is, was the the mustard that, uh, they had at the stadium. And there's Burtman's mustard, which is also the mustard they had, uh, at the stadium. They're both incredibly delicious. And, and I, I, I can vaguely taste the difference between them, but, but only vaguely. This is something that when you grow up there, I didn't even realize how important it was until I left and, and we saw that everybody was eating that gross yellow mustard. And I don't know what that is and, and, and did not understand it, uh, and, and had to learn that, 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 the delicious uh, Burtman's and Stadiums uh, brown mustard is not available everywhere, but now it is. Now you can get it pretty much everywhere. Honey mustard is very good too uh, for various things. Um, but basically, this the the hardcore Cleveland brown mustard. <clears throat> that's my number one overall pick.
1: It's a good pick. It's a, it's the right pick, I think. Mustard was my number two. Oh, Okay, well um, we're
0: we're on the same page here. That's yeah,
1: good. I, I mean, I so I eat these um, Beyond Burger. Beyond meat, uh, uh sausages and,
0: do, and, uh, do you do those or impossible yeah, burger? I do, your... I do
1: both. I do both. Beyond seems to be a little easier to get like in supermarkets these days. Impossible
0: burger is good.
1: Yeah. They're, they're both really good. Um, yeah. The, I'm very, very bullish on the future of, um, vegetable based meat substitutions. Yeah. Um, but the, the way that I eat the beyond sausage is, uh, fry the sausage in a pan for like five or six minutes. And then you put it on a hamburger or uh, a hot dog bun and the only things I put on it are mustard and onions. Right. Uh, and that's mustard right. mustard and onion is the right. It, it has come back to me because I haven't eaten a hot dog in so long, but it has come back to me that that is the right combination for hot dog and sausage related meats is mustard and onions. That's it. So delicious. The so mustard delicious. is the mustard is the flavor kick and the onions are the crunch. And that's it. The end of story. There's a, no other <laughs> substitution. Um, I'm going to pick hot sauce for my number two. And uh, specifically, I'll go with sriracha.
0: I was going to say, what kind of hot sauce? Yeah,
1: I'm going with sriracha. There are others that are obviously wonderful, but uh, sriracha has this weird. uh, Sriracha is like the universal donor of hot sauce to me. Like, um, it tastes good on more things, and also makes more things taste good than any other hot sauce. Right. Um, and, And so I, I, I have. I I discovered it I don't know how many years ago now. Uh it, it was a writer's room uh uh, sort of introduction and I was told by my friend Joe Mandy that um you can like put it on anything. And so I sort of put that to the test. And I just started putting it on literally anything. Like you can put it on breakfast food, you can put <laughs> it on, on salad, you can put it on um uh any kind of like anything. You can put it on anything. It's really amazing and uh I now don't really um eat anything without at least trying sriracha on (laughs) like i because it's it's not always amazing but it's always interesting and it does greatly enhance a large number of foods like i I, and and i i'm it makes me a little sad excuse me it makes me a little sad that i don't eat meat because i i bet it's amazing on meat probably it is yeah (laughs) Um, so uh, so that that does bum me out a little bit but like eggs incredible put sriracha on eggs you'll be so happy uh, so Sriracha is my number two.
0: Well, I'm, this draft is, is, it's disconcerting to me that we're on so, so the same page on this so far. I know, I know it'll turn at some point, but Sriracha delicious and can't say it. Um, you can't, you can't pick Sriracha without making the point. What a great name, yeah. right? Sriracha is like, that is far and away the best name.
1: It's wonderful. Comment. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, and it's the only word in the world that begins with S <laughs> R like what other word is there that begins with sr? that's crazy, but no, it makes sense. Somehow it, it makes sense.
0: It totally makes sense. I love it. I think it's a great pick. All right. With my second pick, <clears throat> I might, I might go off the deep end on this one here, but again, uh, sort of related to, uh, where I have lived. Uh, my second pick is going to be barbecue sauce and it's not again, all of these, well, not all of these. I'm sure there'll be some that that uh, later that basically all the all of them are the same kind. There is there are terrible barbecue sauces, terrible barbecue sauces that are that are horrendous. But a great barbecue sauce, and of course, having lived in Kansas City, there are several to choose from: uh, Arthur Bryant's and Gates and 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 uh, Jack Stack and and numerous other places. Uh, a great barbecue sauce. Is something that now it's, it is directly related to meat. I don't know that there, I mean, it would be great on, on like a beyond burger or an impossible burger or something like that. I don't know that it, it has the versatility of a Sriracha, but a great barbecue sauce, uh, just, just it's explosive. How delicious it is. So my, (laughs) there you go. That's my second statement. Um, So uh, with my second pick, I am going with barbecue sauce.
1: You can have it. I mean, again, not being a meat eater, uh, barbecue sauce is lost on me. Like, I'm sure it's delicious. The the times I've had it, I mean, before I was a vegetarian – it always seemed a little sweet to me. Like I, I was, it's like it depends a little, what kind you get. There are yeah, some very
0: sweet ones. It's a, it,
1: it ones. always like I'm sure I was eating garbage barbecue sauce, but it was always <laughs> a little bit like uh, it's a little like it kind of overwhelmed the. the no, other.
0: you want one with like a texture to it, and and I have judged barbecue contests, which is so much fun, by the way, and uh, and people like. It is stunning how how you know you how hot you can make it and how sort of vinegary you can make it like you could do a lot. So it's a broad thing but a great barbecue sauce is delicious.
1: Oh, I believe you. I'm happy that you chose it cuz I don't care about it. Um I do. so these are the biggies, right? Like, cuz I don't I ketchup is disgusting. I hate ketchup. <laughs> um uh, I'm guess I guess I'll pick um I guess I'll pick soy sauce. Um, it's, it's, I'm picking it too high because soy sauce really only has one use that I right. care about, which is sushi. Yes. Um, and, and, but the difference between sushi without soy sauce and oh. sushi with soy sauce is night and day. Right. So it like, it it's a, it's, it's like soy sauce is like, um, it's that same analogy we've used before. It's basically the like explosive kickoff returner. It's yes. Devin Hester. It's the Devin Hester of <laughs> of um, of condiments because it only do, it does this one thing, but it does it so well that it's worth picking it. Uh, so and and I don't like the super salty kind. I like the lower sodium kind. And it and it 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 also gets dinged a little bit because really you also need wasabi to make it fully uh, functional and maybe ginger too. But the thing it does, it does incredibly well. So I'll 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 reach a little bit. And and pick it. It's, should. It's more of a fourth or fifth round pick. But I'm going to choose it know, but I'm, I, but I'm afraid you're going to take it.
0: I, I was going to take it. I mean, I I did have soy sauce right there. It, it, I had it between two, for. But I think here's the point. I think we have lost, unless we're willing to go for salt. Which you know you can make the strong argument that salt is a uh, is a condiment. If you're willing to go for sauce or salt or pepper, then it's other than that. I think we are at specialty. Um,
1: yeah. Condiments. I think we're yeah.
0: that's where we are, and you're right about what soy sauce does for, um, for sushi and and rice in general. Like, yeah. you just have some white rice and you add a little so- uh, soy sauce to it. Delicious. It just yeah. changes. White rice dynamic. has
1: no flavor, and right. soy sauce makes it delicious.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so totally, um, totally for that. And all of my picks now are are specialty sauce. They're not things I can do anything else with. So with my third pick, I'm just taking it for pure deliciousness, is a good hoisin sauce. Hoisin mm-hmm. sauce is so good. You you almost never eat it. But when you do eat it, like you get a mushu pork or you get something like that, and you actually have hoisin sauce, you're like, this is so delicious. My life does not have nearly enough hoisin
1: sauce in it. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, and you... that, That's the second official podcast motto.
0: <laughs> Well, and that one is, it's not boring. It's ridiculous, but it's not boring. It's
1: it's the podcast with Joe Posnanski and Michael (laughs) Chor. And then underneath that in quotes, salsa, what was it? Salsa is meant to be fun. No,
0: salsa is meant to be enjoyed.
1: Salsa is meant to be enjoyed. And then underneath that, my life needs more hoisin sauce. (laughs) (laughs) It does.
0: Every time I, every time I feel that way. Uh, And then of course I go months without having any hoisin sauce, but I don't. I don't fully know what's in hoisin sauce, but it is quite tasty. So I'm going to pick with my third pick, hoisin sauce.
1: All right, it's good. It is good. Um, I need a ruling uh, from Goodell on this. It, okay. Because it, honey mustard was on my board.
0: Uh huh. And do, do in mustard do I get all mustard? Is what
1: right. I'm asking. That's the I mean, it, that is. I mean, that would be very. Um, yeah, you know that would be extraordinary if you were able to claim all mustards, right? Right. Mustards. I'm not saying it's impossible. I think it's possible that that's the case. Well, I just need a I, ruling.
0: Do you not have? Did 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 that ruling not come in yet? Let I me
1: mean, just let me just fire. He's usually off. fast about. He this. Usually he gets back to us really quick. Let me just fire up yeah. email real quick. Okay, so I'm gonna fire it off. I'm going to not pick. uh, So I'll wait till he he usually gets back to me within a couple minutes. Right. So I'll I'll make a different pick for my fourth pick and then I'll wait to see if I get to claim honey mustard for my fifth pick. (laughs) Um, So for my fourth pick, I think uh, I don't really care about it that much, but I'll go with Mayo. Um, Mayo is um, is over wildly overrated. It's not as overrated as ranch right um, but it which is, which is deeply overrated yes but mayo i think is overrated but uh, but mayo does make certain things really good my problem is most of the things that it makes really good i don't eat anymore <laughs> so like <Yeah. laughs> for example if you if i when i made turkey sandwiches for myself in the right. old days turkey sandwiches turkey lettuce onion mustard and mayo and the mayo does Greatly enhance the turkey sandwich. There's no question. Like that's a that is a, a solid, uh, verifiable scientific fact that mayo makes a, a turkey sandwich more delicious. And there, so there's a bunch of things like that. So I, I don't, I don't really eat that much mayonnaise anymore. I don't have call to eat that much mayonnaise, but it is really good when it's when it's in the right when it's like in used in the right way. It is delicious. So just uh, just to sort of congratulate mayo for being good <laughs> at its job. I'll take mayo number 4.
0: Yeah, I'm not a mayo guy, but I'm I am going to agree with you. I mean tuna salad is mayo, right? I mean you can't yeah. eat, if you're going to have a tuna salad sandwich, that's that's mayo. And yeah. and and tuna dry tuna that's not going to work.
1: Really. No, you know, I try mean, tuna that like, that's what I mean. I guess the, the, the amount that it makes certain things better. It's like soy sauce with rice. It's like the amount that mayo yes. makes tuna salad better is enormous. Yes. It's an enormous improvement.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't love mayo and I don't think you do either, but, uh, but you got to give mayo its due. Mayo <laughs> is ahead of ketchup. In, in in
1: in this in this environment okay right? now that's the the third sub headline <laughs> you got to give mayo it's due
0: you do have to give mayo it's due um and also a good name mayonnaise is a very good name mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. you know it does it does speak to what it is i feel sure um sorry i'm going back because here's the thing i i put my list together i had salt uh and pepper on my list uh as as uh, and I and i Sort of felt the way you did um, about how uh, it's, uh, you know, really in order for it to be a true condiment, it needs some sort of liquidity. That was my that was my original uh, thought. But then uh, I looked up condiment in the in the dictionary and it said literally a substance such as salt or ketchup that is used to add flavor to food. That's
1: nonsense. That's nonsense. So
0: so you can argue with Merriam-Webster if you want. Uh, but with my fourth it pick won't as won't the, the first steal. Time. It will
1: not be the first time I've argued with Marian Munster.
0: <laughs> <laughs> with the fourth pick, the steal of the draft, because I knew you weren't going to go in that direction, I am going to take Salt. And uh, I don't need to explain the awesomeness of Salt and, and the importance of Salt. Salt, the thing that I love about Salt, well, there are obviously many things uh, that we all love about Salt. Um, I like a food that is so overwhelmingly significant of course and salt has played a huge huge role in american history there's a whole book about what american history world history uh there's a whole book about the history of salt and 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 the role it's played in in civilization and all that but i love the, the fact that salt is is so ubiquitous and so powerful that the only way to describe something with salt in it is salty like there's no, there's there's no nothing else. And if you put too much, it's too salty. And and if you don't put enough, it's not salty enough. I I think that's that speaks to the power of salt. So salt is the number one condiment. If it is a condiment, I think we can we can argue the definition. But I'll feel good about uh, getting uh, Bo Jackson in the
1: fourth round. Yeah, you basically you did the thing where like that like salt fell in the draft because we all knew that salt was gonna. Was like boris is his uh it's his agent and right i don't know
0: he, if i can slide that's exactly right
1: you're rolling the dice on the fourth round pick it's not a bad it's not a bad move um all right goodell got back to me uh and okay. said uh that you that mustard includes all mustards
0: ah uh, you know what that's so goodell isn't it yeah.
1: well he's obviously he's looking out for big mustard that's his job you know like he's <laughs> He's, he's protecting the interest of the.
0: that's who pays his salary salary. So, <laughs> um,
1: so I don't really have a good last pick. Um, I guess that I could pick tahini sauce, like tahini sauce is a little bit like, it is a super specialty, right. you know, um, because it's really, there's a very few things that you use it for, but, but the use of it, it, it makes it all uh, makes like, you know, um, falafel, uh, is, is way better. If you have tahini sauce like there is um but I guess uh th- because I'm from New England um I'm gonna reach again and I'm gonna go with tartar sauce um yeah. I don't yeah. I again it's not like it's it's a specialty thing but I do have a lot of memories of like eating crab rolls in New right. England and putting tartar sauce on them and 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 truly enjoying tartar sauce and the, the weird thing about tartar sauce is like it there are like if you if you go, if you get like a crab roll and uh, a bunch of French fries, at like a, a New England fish market type place, and you dip the fries in the tartar sauce, it's kind of good. Like yeah. it's, it's, You know what I mean? Like, you don't, you don't, you, it's, it's, it's got a very specific flavor. Um, and it, it's not for everybody and it's not for every food, but like it, it is, it does like, it. it is, for me, it's very evocative of my youth um, crab and lobster and other kinds of fish sandwiches and stuff. So I don't, even though I don't really eat those anymore, I do occasionally eat some fish. And when I do, I always have tartar sauce on it. So I'll go with tartar number five.
0: Well, look, I, I don't think you need to apologize. I think tartar sauce is very good. Tartar sauce can be quite delicious. Uh, you get like a, like a, you know, fish and chips Mm
1: -hmm. type of
0: thing with tartar sauce. I think that's very tasty. I, 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 you know, I mean, Look, I'm just thrilled that none of us are going to take ketchup because oh, because the
1: ketchup's the well, worst.
0: It's and it is everywhere, and you can't avoid it and, it. and they'll put it on stuff whether you want them to or not. And and they'll give you that little that little fake bowl of of ketchup when you know they're with with with. Like by the way, when you order eggs at a restaurant, they say, "Do you want ketchup?" I just want to. No, Nonsense. I don't. Well, I was going to say, I don't want ice cream either. I don't want any, like, that's gross. I, it feels gross to me. It's Not like, a, I'll,
1: I'll bring you your eggs. Would you like me to ruin them <laughs> for you? I'll, or would you to like ruin. to do
0: that yourself? I could yeah. put that, like, later. You could do that yourself, ruin them yourself. Um, tahini sauce, I'm allergic. I mean, like, I have a uh, horrible aller- allergy mm. to tahini. Uh, so uh, so I wouldn't have been able to respond on that one. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but I like it. I think Toronto is a good pick. All right. With my fifth pick, since I already went with my fourth pick, I'm trying to sign salt. I'm going to try to sign pepper too. I figure if I can get salt and pepper, uh, this is, this is an all time draft and, and I got to feel, you know, incredibly good about it. There, there are a lot of things about pepper that are really cool, but, but I think, I think it is, it is, it is the royalty condiment in that it is the only condiment that, where they come to your table with like a special pepper, you know, mill that, and they, and they, they are very specific about would you like some pepper and then how much pepper? And you tell me when to stop. I'm very, you know, it's, it's pepper is be is, is definitely it's royalty. So, uh, I'm going to go with pepper with my fifth pick.
1: I mean, you've blown this at the end. Like, it's (laughs) like salt, salt, you got away with, uh, you know, in, in the fourth round, but, like you're just doing it again. You're, you don't need pepper. You have salt. It's like,
0: no, that's not true. Salt and pepper. go together. I, know, I
1: know they're different, but like, <laughs> you're just, you're just making this, you're doing the same thing. You're over. It's like you, you, you drafted a third baseman prospect and then you drafted another third baseman prospect. Uh, that's and true. You?
0: But I don't know if I'm going to sign either one. So I figured these are the two best <laughs> prospects on the board. So, so I, I draft them both, and then hopefully I get to sign one of
1: them. All right. that, I mean, listen, that, that, live your life, man. Live your life the way you <laughs> want. It's it was meant to be enjoyed. That's all I know.
0: <laughs> It was. It, it very much is. All right, let's do one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing.
1: It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know. Like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast, whoa, it's one last. Whoa,
0: and you go ahead, you go first.
1: Um, the, uh, House. So, our family bought a house um, out on, on a lake uh, a while ago, and it's a little retreat, and it's really lovely, and um, uh, it's a, uh, it's just very peaceful and calming. And it came with this sort of like rec room, uh, little small sort of like game room, and in the game room is that shuffleboard type game that you play like it's on it's like a a tabletop right it's like uh sure little red um discs and little blue discs and you sort of like float them back and forth and try to you're playing shuffleboard with your hands uh thing. right and uh, I was so excited when I saw it because I I, I I have memories of being a kid and like being in an arcade that um that have uh that had these things I was so excited and it just stinks it just stinks this game stinks uh, first of all you need like sawdust or something to be put on the tabletop which i don't have any sawdust and i don't really get any and i could like, saw some wood and then use that dust i guess that's true um but uh but also just the game itself even when it's functioning it's kind of like you know there's like three discs on each side and you right yeah you, know, you roll you throw them down there and you try to get in the, one of the three little areas close to the end of the table and um, and it's just not that fun. Like it just it does it doesn't provide what it suggests it's going to provide, <laughs> which is like hours of entertainment. And what it's made me realize is that the more fun version of this game is that we used to play this game when I was in elementary school, where you folded a piece of paper into a triangle, right? Yeah, paper football. Paper football. And but you 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 flick it and then you flick it again and you try to the version we played was you try to get it hanging over the edge of the table. Is that how you played, right?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Right. And that game, I then. I then made a paper football and played with my jerk son. And I was like, yeah, this game is way better. Like this, it doesn't require you to have a tabletop. Like you can play this on any table. And it's so much more like uh, exciting and dramatic that when you, when you get it like to within an inch of the end of the table, and then you have to like get it over the end, but not like it's, (laughs) it's so much more fun. And it costs, the cost of this game is one piece of paper. Right, uh, and you can play it literally anywhere. And I, I just want to su- take a second to celebrate, um, uh, the the ruthless efficiency of that game. Whoever invented that game, thank you for creating a game that can actually provide a long period of time of fun and excitement. At when all you need is one piece of paper and a table. And it's really like, I think that whoever invented the game needs to be celebrated more than they are being celebrated.
0: You are correct. This is, you are hundred percent correct. And paper football needs to come back to the masses. Everybody needs to play this game. There are two things about paper football that are hugely important. One is when you score the touchdown, the disgusted finger flip that the other person has to do, to denote that you have scored a touchdown because, because the, the paper football is, is dangling over the edge. They have to come with their finger above it and then flip it up in the air. Like that is is part of that is so wonderful. That is just such a wonderful moment. And then those moments. And then I don't know the version that you played, but the moments where you, you looked at it and you said, I got to settle for a field goal here. And then you settle so great, by the way, as a field goal kicker, this is a big question pointy, uh, point down or flat side down when you uh, kick.
1: I flick the flat side,
0: flat side. Yeah. I see what I used to do was pointy side down for the short field goals and flat side down for the long field goals.
1: Interesting. I don't I know if that,
0: that, yeah, because I, I, I think you get a little more accuracy, uh, because you get a little more of that. end over end flip. If you go from the short side, uh, the pointy side down.
1: So interesting. All right. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. A little trick, a little trick trick to work on your jerk
0: son. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My one last meaningless thing was, is a Twitter thing. Uh, Somebody pushed this the other day that, uh, that uh, I guess Justin Bieber challenged Tom Cruise to a fight. So, so there was a, a thing going around on Twitter where they were challenge asking people to challenge uh, a celebrity who is thirty one years older than you to fight. So, okay. uh, which is that was the idea. So, uh, I was born in nineteen sixty seven. So that means I would have to fight people who were born in nineteen thirty six celebrities who were born in 1936 Wait, it's people
1: 31 years older than you
0: 31 years older than you was the was the uh is the idea
1: okay um, um, while you're doing this i'm going to figure out who i'm going to fight
0: yes yes please please do this i i went to 1936 people born in 1936 and uh i gotta tell you i can't beat any of these people uh <laughs> fight I, I mean it was you know i mean some of them some of them sadly are dead and and but like when they were alive and then there were a whole bunch of people who were born the year that, that I was going like Jim Brown was born that year. I'm not, I'm not fighting Jim Brown. No Lou Gossett jr was born that year. I'm not fighting Lou Gossett jr. Um, but then I said, I, uh, the one person I think I could fight maybe, uh, who was born that year was Alan Alda. And so I wrote like Alan Alda, maybe in like a question mark. And then I immediately felt terrible I would never fight Alan Alda. He's a famously
1: peaceful person.
0: Exactly. And so I then retweeted, uh, I then immediately said, for the record, I'm not in any way saying that I would fight Alan Alda. Of course I wouldn't. Uh, I'm saying that from what I know, he's a pacifist. And as such, we would end up just having a pleasant conversation, which I think would be wonderful to have a pleasant conversation with Alan Alda. So I wish that in, in retrospect that the thing had been name a celebrity 31 years older than you that you would love to have a pleasant conversation with because that i would love to have a pleasant conversation with alan all sure it feels that sounds. but i great. don't believe i could i don't believe i could beat up anybody in who was who was 31 years older than
1: me well okay so here are my so danny devito is 31 years older than me i feel like <laughs> okay. i could take him i could take yeah. danny devito probably probably
0: Prob- maybe not he probably fights dirty
1: yeah, Michael Douglas, nah, he beats me. <laughs> Sam Elliott kicks my butt. Danny <laughs> Trejo, oh brother. I'm in big trouble.
0: This is what I'm saying. You start uh, looking at these people and you're like, wait a minute, I these celebrities would all crush
1: me. Also thirty-one years older than me, Joe Frazier. <laughs> 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 who, say,
0: who, who is gone and could still beat you?
1: Could still uh, could still beat me today. Sirhan yeah. Sirhan is thirty one years older than me. Wouldn't yeah, want to fight him. No. Rudy no. Giuliani has the uh, strength of the truly insane. So that uh, I don't think I would <laughs> want you, to do that. You
0: wouldn't want to get in that
1: fight. No. Barry White kicks my butt. Um, Craig T. Nelson kicks my butt. Roger Daltrey could probably beat me. He's seen some stuff. You know, you don't you don't survive the 60s lead as the lead singer of the who and not get get tough. Dennis Farina, uh, may he rest in peace, would also have kicked my butt. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller, <laughs> Robert Mueller would take me so easily. Would, without
0: even, would, he wouldn't even throw a pie. He would just glare at you. Yeah, would he
1: would over. just he would yeah. just stare at me and write something down on a notepad and I'd be done. Dennis Franz, forget it. He, I mean, yeah, I could beat sounds- any of these people.
0: That's what I'm saying. I'm looking around just going, uh, you know, Mary Tyler Moore maybe when she was around. I mean, I don't, I doubt it.
1: I mean, no, my best, my best shot is just, is, is DeVito because I've just got some reach on him. But other than that, I mean, (laughs) what, what would reach do in a fun, like, like that's the other thing. I love when
0: people say that, like, I'd have reach, a reach advantage. You're not stepping into like, you're not, you're not like, like, like Marvin Hagler, like you're not stepping in the ring and like you guys are going to just be doing the gentleman rules of fighting, you know?
1: I mean, yeah, true. I don't
0: think Reach would help you, frankly.
1: Gary Busey, Rutger Hauer. Oh, oh. I mean,
0: oh gosh, like <laughs> your people are even scarier than mine. I can't believe it. Terry
1: Funk, the wrestler Terry Funk, <laughs> Boz Skaggs. I mean, I'm, I'm dead. And yeah, there's, there's no. I mean, you know, I I I, I, I give up. I pre give up on on all of these. Uh, <laughs> fights. Rick Barry. Rick Barry's 31 years older than me. Wow. Yeah.
0: But could you beat Rick Barry in a free throw shooting contest?
1: (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) I'm definitely a better basketball player than he is. I'm not sure if I could beat him in a fight.
0: (laughs) Did you ever shoot free throws underhand? Did you ever try it?
1: I I have tried it occasionally. It's very hard. I mean, I think that that's what's one of the
0: things that baffles me. So I love Rick Barry and, and the underhand free throw. And of course they say, players should use it because they won't use it. Cause it looks stupid. I don't think they use it because that, I don't think it's easier to make free throw shooting it underhand. I don't buy it. No. Like the concept. I don't buy. I mean, I,
1: it's like anything else though. Right. If you, pra- if you learn that way and then practice that way, it doesn't, it's not so unnatural, but I know, uh, but, but then practice regular way and it would
0: not be unnatural. And you'd be like a really good free throw shooter.
1: No, well, fair enough.
0: I don't know. Just throw that out. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? We have survived, uh, Uh, this this podcast and i believe it was every bit as meaningless as we promised
1: i think it was i i don't think we're in any danger of approaching anything that has any relevance to anything (laughs) that's going on in the world which is of course the mission and i think we succeeded i believe we succeeded so as always michael thank you thanks for having me